Get ready to cast your nets and reel in Pastor Steve Jameson's newest book, The Most Valuable Catch, Risking It All for What Matters Most. Available beginning July 1st. The Most Valuable Catch is filled with personal anecdotes that Jameson learned while deep sea fishing, leadership lessons God taught through Eastridge Church, and spiritual wisdom for pastors, leaders, and all believers. You'll learn the secrets of building trust within your inner circle, weathering life storms, and overcoming the relentless attacks of the enemy. Pre-order your copy now and learn more at themostvaluablecatch.com. Welcome to Eastridge Today with Steve Jameson, lead pastor of Eastridge Church in Issaquah and West Seattle. We invite you to worship with us at eastridgetodayradio.com or in person every weekend. Today, we hear a powerful message. Now, here's Pastor Steve Jameson. You know, we've been studying in the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to read just a little bit of the scripture, and then I'm going to talk about it for just a couple minutes. And we were going to do a little tag team between Sam and I. But last night afterwards, we just decided we have a lion with us, and I just need to let this lion free a little bit today. So I don't want to disrupt our series in the book of Hebrews, but I want to make room for Sam. Is that okay with everybody today? So let's take a look at the Word. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 3, uh, first few uh, verses. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling. I want you to know that's you, every person who is called upon Jesus, you share in this heavenly calling. Look what it says. Holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. You know, there's a lot of competing areas that want to capture our thoughts right now in our culture. Isn't that right? But what does the Bible say? Put your thoughts upon Jesus. You know, instead of being filled with fear and anxiety and difficult, all those different things, how about this? Replacing that by faith, saying, Lord, I want to put my faith and my focus on who you are. And then it says this, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ, here's the key, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And then the scripture here, you can read this as you get home, is quoting out of Psalm 95, and it's a warning to us. Remember last week, the first warning came out of the book of Hebrews, don't neglect this great salvation. Neglect and regret. Well, here, that's being followed up with, do not um, harden your hearts. When the Lord speaks to your heart, don't resist what God is saying. What a good word for us today, amen? Don't resist it but receive it. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Speaking about the times of Moses, as you did in the rebellion. And um, so today, I'm going to skip down to verse 13. It says, but encourage one another uh, daily, as long as it is called today, so that not one of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's pray about this right now, and then we're going to welcome our friend, Sam Johnson. Would you pray with me? Lord, 
we just want to open our hearts. Can you say it to God? Lord, we just want to open our hearts to you. We want to listen and be attentive to Jesus. We want you to clear the space of our minds and our thoughts. And God, we want you to rule and reign in our lives. Lord, I'm praying for pressure to be released from people in this room and worshiping with us in West Seattle and online. Lord, I'm praying that in the name of the Lord, great victories will be won today. And Lord, as Sam comes to speak his heart and to speak a message right from your heart to us, Lord, let us put our focus on who you are. And Lord, let us grow deeper, stronger, bolder, and together see you do amazing things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, while you're standing, let's give a hero's welcome to Sam Johnson today. Bless you, my friend. Welcome home. It's good to have you back. So honored to be back with you again this morning. He told me last night it's been 23 years running. Wow, what a tolerant congregation you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you, Pastor Mrs. Jameson, for your love, for your friendship, your support all of these years. Wow. I'm overwhelmed this morning. I really am. When I was with you last year, and when I was with you the year before, and when I was with you the year before that, I reminded you that God had given to me one verse when Joyce and I began our ministry after serving churches in Iowa and Kansas in 1966. The Division of Foreign Missions of the Assemblies of God asked us if we would consider going to Spain as missionaries. And I went to the Bible and God gave me this verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I knew, ladies and gentlemen, then what God wanted me to do in Spain. Because growing up, I had studied the Word of God. I, I listened to preachers and evangelists and missionaries, and I realized that the strategy that Jesus had was that of calling 12 disciples. He called them and he formed, in the process, the first Bible school of the Assemblies of God. If this was a Baptist church, it'd be the first Bible school of the Baptist church. And so they called the 12 disciples. They didn't have a resident campus, but wherever Jesus went, they went, and he taught them how to pray. He taught them how to fast. He taught them how to believe God. He taught them that he had become, he was, had come to be the savior of the world. They didn't fully understand it, but he explained all of that, and that was his strategy. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary. He died alone. They took him and they put him in a borrowed tomb, but on the third day, Peter no longer could handle the fact that he He'd betrayed Christ three times. He went looking for him and their eyes fastened on each other. And Jesus said to Peter, go and get the others. Peter knew where they were. He brought the disciples and Jesus said, this is the last lesson of our three-year plan. I want you to go now to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Because the things that I have done, you will do and greater things. They went and left him. He went to the Father as he promised that he would do. And on the way to Jerusalem, they became evangelists. These 11 guys invited others, and now there's 120. They gathered together in a borrowed, I, they must have rented a second floor apartment. I've been to Israel, I can never 
today they have the, they have the upper room but that was and so they they began to wait on God and they waited for two days and three days and four and five and they're praying whatever you have in store God we're ready we're ready and on the tenth day sitting as you are sitting the Holy Spirit swept across that audience of 120 believers and impregnated them with the Holy Spirit they began as an expression of what God was doing speak in another language speak we call it in speaking in other tongues and it was feast time in Jerusalem. People had gathered together. Peter, they heard these, these disciples making all this noise. And Peter heard them grumbling among themselves. Who are these people? And Peter, now a Pentecostal preacher, stood up and he began to preach. And he preached and he preached and he preached. You know what I'm talking about? Pentecostal preachers, they go and they go. And when he finished preaching, 3,000 gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus had invested his life in the in 11 guys for three years. Therein lies the strategy. So, so Joyce and I knew that. So we went to Spain. We knew that they needed a Bible school, and we were privileged to help start the first Bible school in Spain. In the process of all of this, God gave us this verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that was so indelibly written in our hearts and our lives, because chapter chapter. 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. You can't please. And you know, and I know, God has given to every one of us the gift of faith. It's not because you have an app, you have an app for giving. It's just because God blesses you and God, and he's given to all of us the gift of faith. So now what are we going to do with this gift? I took it and we helped to build the first Bible school in Spain. While I was there, God also blessed us, and we were able to start a correspondence school, reached into a quarter of a million homes, bought an office building, hired people, and God was just so, and so God was helping us. While I was in Spain, I got an invitation, could you go next door to Portugal? Yes. I went over there, and I found the, 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 the assemblies of God was hot. It was just blowing, and it was really moving, and they had 60 congregations out of the sister, out of the mother church and three full-time workers. So every time I went, and they, they were kind, they invited me back and back, and they said, would you please pray for workers? I'm praying for workers. Oh, God, do something important. One day, God said to me, what they need in Portugal is a training center, a Bible school. Oh, I said, that's a brilliant idea. Yes. And I went back, and I shared it with the executives, and they said, yes. We want you to come and build and direct it for us. So now we'd gone to Spain with the little guy, and God gave us two more while we were in Spain. Must have been the water. And so God blessed us. Now we're a family of three. We came to America, itinerated, and we went back to Portugal in 1974. And I want you to see what God helped us to do. Here's the magnificent Bible school in the, on the, the edge of the city of Lisbon. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I want to share with you quickly this morning the four things that I have learned from the gift of faith, walking this gift of faith for the last 60 years. These are the four things that I have learned. Number one, write this down on your phone, write this down on your mind, write it down in the palm of your hand, wherever you need to do it, but write it down. And that is that the first thing you must do with the gift of faith is define a purpose. 
All of our faith must have a purpose. It must have an objective. It must have a goal. What is it that we want to do? What is it that we want to accomplish? That's, we knew that when we went to Spain and God taught us. We knew that when we went to Portugal and God taught us. And then along the way, ladies and gentlemen, God brought me to this great church 23 years ago. And I want you to see what God has helped you and me to do together. Beyond Portugal, look at this. We went not only to Portugal, but we went from there to Romania. We helped to build the fabulous Bible school in Romania. Today, there's 2,000 Pentecostal churches in the country of Romania for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. From there, we continued to work across Eastern Europe. We built the Bible school in the country of Albania in the midst of all of the Muslims. God is doing great things because of the trained leadership of this Bible school. You help me, ladies and gentlemen, in Russia. Can't go there today, but on the other side of Moscow, we were able to build this Bible school. Out of this Bible school came 300 church planters. They planted 300 churches. Hold your applause. Great things, ladies and gentlemen, coming out of the Bible school, the Republic of Russia. Oh, let me just take a moment. The, the Republic of Georgia, I should say. I just want to, because this is the country that lies south of Russia. Because when the Soviet Union broke up, they got their independence and Putin was not happy. During the days of President George, Putin went down to, Russia, to, to, to Georgia and tried to take it back, much like he's doing today in Ukraine. Because you see, Putin is not a happy man. I'm not sure you'd be happy either if your name was Putin. And so, so he, but God helped us. God helped us. And that's the evidence of what you and I believed God for as we built the Bible school in the Republic of Georgia. And then this is a great picture. We were able to also help build a seminary in the city of Kiev, Ukraine. Though Russia today is trying to destroy that country and bomb the city in the smithereens, I'm happy to tell you that I believe that God has built a wall of protection around that seminary. It has not been touched. It's active. It has produced literally thousands of young men and women for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We couldn't see it, but God gave us the faith to believe for it, and then we had the evidence. And so God helped us across Eastern Europe, and then he took us to Africa. Africa is a continent with 54 countries, and we've been able to help in over 20 of those countries build Bible schools. Most recently in Burkina Faso, a country in West Africa, we built, this is a seminary, we built the administration building, classrooms, and then we just finished, just just months ago, we dedicated the, the, the dormitory for the graduate students. Beautiful facilities in the country of Burkina Faso. Then in, southern, in the southern part of, 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 of Togo, in Lome, we've just finished dedicating this dormitory for 100 students at the grad level. This is for all of West Africa, where they come together, they receive their master's degrees, have taught their master's degrees and their PhD program. And so in the country of, of Togo, we were able to build that. And then Tanzania, oh, I could talk to you. As you know, I could talk to you for, because, 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 because we got involved 12 years ago when Dr. Barnabas, the general superintendent, came to Minneapolis where I lived and said, would you please come and help us? I said, what do you have in mind? He said, we have embarked upon a plan to start 10,000 new churches in 10 years. I said, Dr. Barnabas, how are you going to do that? And he said, no, no, no. It's how you and I are going to do it. 
So I took the bait and we went and we helped to build this dormitory. Oh, this was a fun deal. And then they said, please come chapel. What the chapel was too small. They said, we need a bigger chapel after we. And so we built the chapel for them. There it is, the chapel that now seats 5,000, not only for the Bible school, for all of the assemblies of God for the country of Tanzania, because it's on fire today with the good news of Jesus Christ. And just last August, we dedicated to him the seminary, the finest English-speaking seminary for all of Africa on that campus of Central Bible College. And you helped me to build that seminary. Together, ladies and gentlemen, we have seen God at work because you had a purpose and I had a purpose. Our faith must have a definite purpose because the starting point of all achievement is definiteness. A purpose. The 25th anniversary of the Assemblies of God, they were so kind, they invited me to come and speak. And this is what I learned. I learned that today in Ethiopia, there's 20 million Pentecostal believers. And, and, and here's, here's the fun part of it all. Every Baptist, every Lutheran, every Methodist, everybody who's born again is filled with the Holy Spirit. God has swept across all of the denominations of Ethiopia. This is where you have that great church pastored by your former pastor here and doing a great work in Ethiopia. So that Bible school that we built has 800 students and it's trained just literally thousands of leaders across the country of Ethiopia. Then we went to Asia and in, in Baguio, Philippines, we helped to build the seminary that's in the northern part of, of Asia and uh, of, of rather the Philippines. And then Hulda Bontain, a friend of yours and mine, she, she said to me, we were sitting together at supper. I'll never forget, I'll never forget it. She, I'll never forget it, never forget it. She reached over, she touched me on the arm. She said, you don't love me anymore. Wow. I said, how can you say that, Hulda? Oh, she said, because you have never been to India. Well, I said, you're right. I love you, but she said, come, I need your help. So I went to India, and this is what we did. We helped to create, ladies and gentlemen, the finest Bible school on the edge of the city of Calcutta, a city of 18 million people. Then I said, see you after we had the day. No, 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 they said, you can't leave yet. You don't understand. The women can't sleep in the same building as the boys. Because we had everything in that big building. Well, I said, they'll get together eventually. <laughs> I see some of you have discovered that. So we built the beautiful women's dormitory for them. And now we have given to India the finest Bible school in that, for northern India that there is. What a privilege it was. And then next to India is Nepal, a wonderful city where God, uh, a country where God has been blessing the leadership there. And I just, just think with me just a moment. 70 years ago in Nepal, there was not one believer. Today, there's a million Pentecostal believers across the country. And much of the leadership and the training has come out of the seminary, ladies and gentlemen. So it all springs up out of leadership. And that's what God has helped us to do. The purpose of our faith is linked to action. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But 
there's a little secret here. Faith without works is dead. You got to work at it. You got to work at it. And what joy we've had together with you. Then Myanmar, Myanmar, this is the country just north, just north of Thailand. And, and we were able to help build this incredible boys dorm, men's dormitory, and then the women's dormitory. This is a funny story because I after I'd finished with the boys dormitory, they, I said, See ya, bye-bye. They said, no, 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 you can't leave yet. And they took me around the corner and they showed me this pile of not good stuff. It was a women's dormitory. We built a brand new building. And now you see what we've helped them to do in the country of Myanmar. And then finally in Cambodia. Because all of our faith must have a purpose. What are you living for? What has God called you to do? The second thing I have learned is that our faith must always risk something. Risk something. Risk something. As you walk with God, step out and be willing to risk something. God speaks to your heart. I want to give $100 in the offering. Risk it with $1,000. I'm just suggesting. I'm not, but faith always risks something. Joyce and I, as I mentioned, went to Portugal in 1974 with our three boys. Four months after I was there, my boys went off to school in the morning and they came back quickly. I said, why are you home? They said, the headmaster sent us home because there's been a coup in the city. And you need to close the door and roll down the shades and stay quiet. Because there's a coup going on. The military has overthrown the government. Well, I did what the headmaster said. I, put the, I, I, I shut the door, and I pulled down the shades, and I slipped out the back door, and I went downtown Lisbon, city of a million people, because I'd never seen a coup before. It's not often you see one. So I went down, and I saw the tanks, and I saw the armored cars, and I said, wow, there's a coup going on. I got home and pulled down the shades. And so, so the military had risen up, and they overthrew 48 years of dictatorship. When I went there, ladies and gentlemen, in 1974, 15% of the people, 15% of the people, only 15% of the people could read or write. It was an impoverished country. Today, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a phenomenal country, great tourist country. But then they had limited freedoms. And God had helped us when we went there to buy 30 acres in the edge of the city of Lisbon. And I'm building on this property. I'm building a Bible school. I'm building. I'm building. For nine years, I never stopped building. I'm building. I'm building dorms. I'm building classrooms. I'm building dining hogs. They love to eat. I built a chapel for 1,500. We built, we built, we built. And in the process of all of this, the Communist Party overtook the country of Portugal. 1974, 75, 76, dark days. And in the midst of all of this, I'm building. In the spring of 1975, Sleeping at midnight, there was the doorbell rang, knock on the door, and I went to the kitchen door, and I opened it, and I faced the military. Man with his rifle, I looked out on the jeep. There was a jeep full of soldiers. They said, you're under arrest. Come with us. So they led me up to the Bible school that we were building. It was a little farm. We'd converted the cow barn. He, the captain and I sat down the cow barn and he sent all of his soldiers because they had jumped off the wall before I got there and they're looking all over these 30 acres for the arms that I have hidden because we had two lights 
We had two windmills, and as a second windmill at the top, they said, you have a red light, and you're signaling to all the American planes. When they fly over, they're opening up the doors of the planes, and they're dropping the arms, and you're going to have a counter-revolution because you work for the CIA. I never got paid. <laughs> I mean, it's a disappointment when you're accused, but you never get. And so I sat there, and it's 2 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, and it's 4 o'clock. And as the dawn began to break, the soldiers began to come back in. They said, Capitan, Capitan, nos no podemos encontrar nada. No, couldn't find anything because I'd never hidden anything. And he released me and let me go. But you never knew when they were going to come back. We lived in terrible days. And I remember, ladies and gentlemen, when Joyce and I sat together and we held hands and we said to each other, is it time to go back to America or should we stay and do what God calls us to do? And we chose to risk it all. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we stayed. And I want you to see what God helped us to do, because that's what happens when you risk everything. Faith always risks something. Faith always risks something. Today, listen to me. Today in Portugal, the Assemblies of God is the number one Protestant denomination. The first student of our Bible school is today the head of the Assemblies of God. He passes the largest church in the city of Lisbon, and he has 20 additional churches. Throughout the entire country, I can take you, and I will show you Assemblies of God churches. How is it possible? Possible only because of trained leadership. So our faith must risk something. Number three, faith always confesses what it believes. Faith always confesses what it believes. We need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Savior of our lives, that he died for the whole world, and we need to share him with others. Faith always confesses what it believes. And number four, faith always obeys God. Faith always obeys God. If you'd like to be a part of this, if God's tugging on your heart, I just want to encourage you today to, to just let the Lord lead and guide you. If he puts something in your heart, don't, don't hesitate to, to believe that because we know this. If the Lord's stirring something big in your heart, it's the Lord because the devil is not going to stir you to do great things for God. How many know that? You know, where does that voice, where does that thought come from? It only comes from one place. And that is the work of the Lord tugging and pulling our hearts that we can be a part of something great that can make a difference in so many other people. People that we may not see in, in our life right here, but we make a difference for the glory of God. And I'll, I'll tell you one other reason why. I, I've, you know, the last few years said when the opportunity came for us to invest in India. I mean, in our area, so many people are being brought into our area by our companies and our community and our, and our demographics have been changing. And we as a church want to embrace the people from India. We have, a, we have a number of people in our church from India and it's a beautiful thing. And so I just felt, you know, we, here's how God's economy works. You have to sow to reap. How many know that? And by the measure you use in God's economy, he makes it happen. And so as we want to be even better at embracing and loving the people that are coming into our community, and especially from India, that we could, we, could we could create a place where they can feel loved and embraced and a place to grow their lives and families just like everybody else. 
How about sowing to where their families live and where their heritage and their background is? And just believe that God will honor that. How many agree with what I'm, what I'm thinking and praying about? And uh, so today, if God stirs your heart, um, you know, the other thing I've been thinking about is um, one of these days, we've got to travel. You know, we take different teams, different places. India's a long stretch. But how awesome would it be to have a great team from our Eastridge families, maybe going back to their homeland? Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to be a part of something that God is birthing and doing? So as the Lord stirs you, I just encourage you. So will you pray with me today? And then you can use all of the platforms that you normally use. If you go to your mobile app, West Seattle Family, same. Uh, those of you worshiping online, thank you as well. Go to all the different platforms. You can just, there's on the app in different places, there's a little drop down. It will say Sam Johnson, priority one. And everything that is faithfully given today is gonna go right to this project. That's about all the time we have for today. But if you wanna listen to the whole thing, you can visit us at eastridgetodayradio.com and tune in next week for another installment of Eastridge Today.